0: Hello and welcome back to the Rugby League Hot Recap. It's Lockie Campbell and Leonie Hustleby as your host today as we look ahead to the Super League's opening round and provide the last of our season previews on the NRL. Leonie, how are we doing today?
1: Yeah, I'm good, thank you. How are you? I'm glad to be back.
0: I'm, I'm really chuffed to have you back. I'm really excited to, to talk some rugby. I think we're just a week to go. Um, I hope your plans are all set for next weekend because I'm gonna, I'm going to try and watch as much of the games as I can um, mm-hmm. But I'm I'm just more than excited just to be able to see see the game back on TV really.
1: Yeah, absolutely. It's going to be brilliant, and I think like the coverage that that is going to have this year is going to be great. And I think it's I think you know there might be some more sort of rugby league fans. Sort of the more it's on TV, the more people think, oh, we don't want to watch EastEnders, I'll watch that. And then you know, so you never you never know.
0: Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, well, we are just a few more days to go into the big kickoff. Um, So for our listeners today, we hope you've got all your plans sorted, really, whether you're heading to the terraces or you're watching along on the TV ready for another eight months of Super League action. Uh, So let's do some news. So let's start off in the UK as one of the big announcements in the last week is that the Super League Grand Final Harry Sunderland Trophy is to be renamed the Rob Burrow Award from this season onwards. Every rugby league fan in this country is likely to know Burrow's story and I can think of no one more deserving of this honour. But if you're just getting into the sport, Burrow was Leeds Rhinos' star halfback who was diagnosed with motor neuron disease in 2019, two years after ending his playing career. He's since become an incredible campaigner on the condition and he was awarded a CBE in the New Year's Honours list. Leone, what was your reaction to hearing this news?
1: I mean, I I just thought it was great and I thought you know, dedicating that award to him. It's, it's more than well-deserved because of the career that he's had. Um, and I think it just shows as well, you know, there's loads of different teams and there's loads of different fans. And sometimes the fans don't like each other because of who they support. But at the end of the day, Rugby League is a community. And I mm. think being able to stand behind Rob Burroughs while everything that he's going through is going on is, like, is really powerful and it shows what Rugby League fans are really about.
0: Absolutely, absolutely couldn't agree more with what you had to say. There, he he's been an inspiration. The work that him and him and his best friend Kevin Sinfield have done um, for awareness for for Toronto to tackle this condition has been really inspiring. So I really think that's a great move um, from England Rugby League. Uh, so ahead of our season preview, uh, we ahead of round one preview, I should say, we can also report that live Super League games are returning to the BBC. With Castleford's clash with Wigan, the first of 15 to be covered by the broadcaster this year. And so they're going to cover 15 games over the next three seasons. Two of these matches are going to be playoff games. And the broadcaster is also going to cover the World Club Challenge uh, the following weekend and is now extending its coverage of highlight, package, highlight packages from the Women's Super League and the Wheelchair Super League Grand Final. As you were saying at the top there, Leone. This is great. It's great to see one of the nation's big broadcasters really get behind the game. I can remember back when I was a kid growing up, didn't really know a lot about Rugby League, if I'm honest. But I remember on the TV, the big games between Leeds and Bradford and and Hull and the two Hull teams. It was on the TV quite regularly. So it's great to start to see more of these games coming back onto accessible television.
1: Yeah, definitely, and I think you know as much as we like to separate rugby league and rugby union with the whole north south thing, and we like to create like a little battle between them. I think you know it's it's really important that it is it is so widely covered because you never know maybe southern people maybe some southern people don't like rugby union and they prefer rugby Mm -hmm. league and giving them the opportunity to be able to watch it. The the amount of Rugby League fans, the more that goes up and the more supporters, the more finance these clubs are getting, especially the smaller ones. And then Rugby League can grow as it should, really, because it's such a fantastic sport.
0: Absolutely. I mean, I think it's, it's great because uh, since moving up to the north and I used to live in the south of England for a lot of my life, it, it's just a game which I was really open to when the uh, when the World Cup started airing a couple of years ago. Last year was my first full year really getting actively engaged in the sport and going to games. And it's just you don't have that around you to a certain extent when you, are, when you aren't based in the north of England. So getting that awareness, making it on live TV that anyone that has a TV can switch on and watch, I think, I think it's great because it's such an impactful sport to watch and really easy to get into, I find. And um, yeah, let, let's hope it really does help grow the game more this coming year. So, in more localised club news, uh, plans to develop Castleford's Aging Stadium have been recommended for approval. The plans expected to be approved this week would see the East stand demolished and replaced with an all-new CETA stand. This is going to reduce the overall capacity to just over 10,000 supporters, but we'll see new corporate hospitality hospitality boxes, a banqueting suite, club shop gym and modern changing rooms built as well as a new match day fan zone area and an artificial floodlit training pitch now leona you should know all about this as a cast fan what will this do for the club do we think
1: i mean i think it will make people sort of see cast differently i know they're already kind of seen as the underdog uh, and obviously didn't have the greatest year last year and you know as much as we love the jungle you know it is it is aging and it is it is getting a bit old and I think it'll give the the cast fans a bit more sort of motivation that this club's going to do better if if their stadium can represent what they're really about.
0: Mm-hmm. And I think
1: at the minute it doesn't do that. And I think you know you change you change the club the more confident the players get as well. and I mean, you know it could it could change how they play for seasons to come.
0: I think it's also one of the big things that clubs are starting to do in terms of since the introduction of the IMG grading system is it's really put pressure on clubs to make sure that their facilities are up to scratch, that they are modern, that they can really um, appeal to all audiences, particularly with, I think, with their corporate hospitality boxes that they're introducing. They're recognising that the game needs to move forward. The stadiums, therefore, need to move forward and they can't have a stadium which is best served for those in the 1960s, 70s, 80s. We we need modern stadiums, which are with comfy seats and where people can enjoy themselves as well as being able to cheer on their team.
1: Yeah, absolutely, and I think you know just just for the fans and just to, just for Castleford in general to be able to say, look at our stadium, look how look how nice it is, you know, it's it's gonna give it's gonna give everyone so much more patriotism towards their team. There already is so much across Cast. It's very rare you walk past someone in Cast without a Cast shirt on or a hat or something like that. But being able to be proud of your stadium as well as your team, I think that's super important.
0: So this week, it was also announced that Tom Burgess, the South Sydney Rabbitohs legend and younger brother of Warrington coach Sam, is to return to the Super League in 2025 after signing a three-year deal with the Giants. The prop was a premiership winner with Sam and twin brother George in 2014 and has been in Australia for the last 12 years. Staying in Australia to finish off then, this week it was confirmed that the Brisbane Broncos standoff Ezra Mam has signed a new five-year extension with the Queensland side ending speculation about his future with his playmaking half teammate Adam Reynolds reportedly closed at green a one-year extension until the end of next year and that was the news so let's get into it then round one the big preview and we're gonna start with the kickoff which is Hull FC versus Hull KR so this is on Thursday night at 8 p.m from the MKM Stadium it will be available to watch for Sky Sports viewers on main event or arena. Uh, this game is set to break the 17-year-old record for the opening game um, in the league with over 17,500 tickets already sold as of today. And a crowd of over 20,000 is definitely still possible. Look, this is one of the game's biggest rivalries. Both clubs are going all out for this campaign. Um, between them, they sold more than 15,000 season tickets or memberships combined. I can't wait for this, Leonie, Uh, What is your big take on this game There, What do you think is going to happen?
1: I mean, first of all, I think it's going to be a fantastic game. I think there's, I mean, it's nice when teams are friends and, you know, they they like each other, but there's nothing better than a rivalry. We we love a rivalry. And, mm. you know, these, these teams aren't, these teams, they're always going to have a rivalry. They're from the same place. You know, the fans are going to have rivalries with each other. And I just think, what a, what a fantastic game to sort of kick off the Rugby League season.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I think both these sides have lots of history. They have lots of, um, lots of bitter, <laughs> bitterness between the two of them. I think Hull KR have been on the up in more recent years, whilst, uh, whilst Hull have kind of struggled, um, and they've not had the greatest finishes over the last three or four years. But, but this is it's a massive opportunity for, for both sides to lay down a marker. Playing your rival in the opening game, I'm really interested to see how K.R. go um, in terms of let, let's let talk some some team news then. So on the K.R. side, Kalipi Tanginoa likely to be named in the forward pack. But the squad is going to be without forward Matty Stoughton. He's set for a six week spell on the sidelines after picking up an injury against Leeds Rhinos in the preseason. Uh, Prop Sam Luckley is also going to be unavailable as he continues his recovery from ankle surgery. And hooker Reese Butterworth is also out after a failed head injury assessment. Uh, on the whole side, we're going to see quite a few debuts. Um, so for Manu Brown, Jalen Oakenbor, Herman Essayese, Franklin Pelle, Jack Ashworth. There's a lot of excitement, I think, on the whole side for this to really see those new debutants kind of make their stand and make their case in the biggest game of the season really for them to start off with. I mean, I know they play each other, I think three times over the year, but it's, there's so much anticipation building into this. Um, I'm someone that's been to Hull a few times and you just know that rugby is just the sport of that city. The whole city is going to be coming to a bit of a standstill, I think in pubs and bars to watch this game. I mean, I agree with you. I can't think of a better way to open the season really.
1: Yeah, definitely. I but I think, this this game's sort of gonna set up, you know, Hull K R and, and Hull for, for the for the rest of the season in the sense of I do think there is a yeah. lot of pressure on Hull KR. They obviously had a had a pretty great season um last year and I think the fans are going to expect that again. Um and to be playing your rival in the first round, you know, it's it's definitely it's definitely gonna they're definitely probably gonna feel the pressure. It's never it's whether or not we'll see that on the field.
0: I think I'd lo- I'd love a high scoring game. But I think it's going to be quite cagey. Um, so I'm going to say that I, th- I think, I think the Robins, I think KR, I think they do win it, but I think they win it by about four points, if I'm honest.
1: I agree. I did. I did sort of, I did sort of think that, that Hull KR were going to win, but I don't think that Hull are going to make it easy for them, which is uh, why I think it's going to be a great game.
0: Yeah, that no, was going to be fab. Definitely an action packed start, to start the season. So, uh, Next day then on the Friday, um, over at AMT Headingley, is Leeds Rhinos and Salford Red Devils. Now, um, I've made clear on this podcast in the past that I am a Salford fan, and I am dreading this game. I think this is going to be uh, a bit of a big moment for the Rhinos. They've got this all new squad, um, with loads of new players, loads of new strong, talented star players, really, um. The only thing that I think could be in Salford's advantage is it might still take the runners a bit of time to gel. Um, in terms of Leeds' team news, I think they're probably going to name a few of the Salford X players in the squad, Brody Croft and Andy Yakers. And they'll also bring in their fullback, Lackey Miller, and the halfback, Matt Frawley, is also expected to feature. So it could there could be a bit of nerves for them. It could be a bit of just trying to find their feet in this new team. Is that going to have an impact on this result? I don't know. I mean, Salford was so poor in that pre-season game against St Helens where I think they conceded over 50 points. And I just think that this game is probably going to be um, uh, too soon for them to really be able to kind of get the flow in in the team. Um, I think Leeds will edge this. What do you think?
1: I totally agree with you, unfortunately. Um, I think, unfortunately, for you and many other Salford fans, I think it's going to be a, quite a difficult watch Um Obviously you're gonna be watching two of your ex players yeah. wearing a shirt that is not your own, which I think is is gonna be is gonna be pretty difficult for a lot of Salford fans. Um and I think as well, you know, like I like I said in sort of the, the pre season preview that people maybe sort of forgot who leads are because of last season. You know, they had a lot of injuries, they had a lot of key players out, and I think they're gonna come back with a lot of fire in their belly and they're going to come back with, you know, we want to be up there in the top four. We need to remind people who we are. And unfortunately, I think they're going to use sulphur to do exactly that.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. I think it's not going to be a game where I'm going to be hiding behind the sofa for... But it's definitely a game where, I I'd let's just say, I'd be very surprised if Salford do get the result here. I'd be over the moon if they did. Um, yeah. And I think it would kind of show a lot about maybe Leeds do need a bit of time to gel together. But I, I just think it's going to be, I think Leeds probably take this by about 10 points or so. Um, and just to kind of recap on some of the team news, Salford are going to be likely going to be without King Vinayama after he was given a dangerous conduct charge. They are appealing it. But as of today, uh, he will not be able to feature Adam Sidlow and Ethan Ryan, they're also out with injuries. Uh, So the the Devils have got a 22-man squad for this game. So they're going in shorthanded as it is against this lead squad that are likely to be without James McDonnell and Morgan Gannon. Um, But yeah, I guess we'll see come Friday night. But the other big game on Friday is St. Helens and London Broncos. Now, this is a game, and we previously talked about London Broncos ourselves, Leone, about Mm -hmm. how big a deal it is to have this club back in the top division. And what a hard start. They go to a team which is going to be pumped and ready to hit the ground running this year because they need to start fast to really try and mount a charge against Wigan. Uh, I feel sorry for the London team. Uh, and I read a Guardian piece this week in which um, it was, I think it was written just after the season launch around how it would be a bit of a miracle if this London team even won a game. I mean, talk about firing up a squad. They are going to want to give the game of their lives here at the Totally Wicked Stadium.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think, you know, they, they, they know, OK, they know who St Helens are. They know that they're going to be ready for this season. And I think maybe it'll get to them maybe it won't maybe that'll give them maybe that'll give them more confidence maybe they'll be like if we beat st helens everyone's going to be scared of us um do I think it's going to happen unfortunately not but i think regardless of the result they should be super proud of where they've got
0: yeah no absolutely this is a squad which i think and they have said this like they are playing for their their future careers here for them it's not about where where the team ends up finishing because they, I think it's kind of they expect that they are going to have a challenge in this league. But these players, they want to keep playing at the top division. They don't just want to be associated with a team that just gets wiped out every week. So I tell you what, if we come back in a week's time and we see that London have given St. Helens a game, I think a lot Mm -hmm. of people around the squad... a lot of fans around the league are going to be really questioning whether or not London are actually going to be as bad as many people think they are. Um, yeah, absolutely. I mean, absolutely.
1: I mean well, you've got to give them a chance, you know. We've not, we've not even we've not even really seen them yet, and we're already we're already like <laughs> putting them right down at the bottom. So, I mean, you know, it might be the case of everyone saying we're going to lose, and it's really annoying. So we're just mm. going to go thrash them all, and then they're all going to be really sad because we beat them all, and they, you know they were saying, "Oh yeah, we're you know." And maybe the fact that they've only just come up to the Super League again, that's going to give a lot of teams too much confidence, mm. you know, especially, especially teams like Helens who, are, who have done, had such an amazing season last year. Maybe they're not going to bring their A game because they think, oh, it's only the Broncos, you know, we'll be fine. And then all it takes is is a split second of a realisation of oh, actually they're better than we thought they were. So that could, being the underdog, could definitely work in their favour.
0: Yeah, absolutely. There's some great points there. Um, so in terms of team news, St. Helens, they're likely to give debuts to centre Wacker Blake, forward Matt Whitley and their new dynamic cooker, Daryl Clark. Um, Broncos are likely to see winger Hakim Maloudi and prop Reese Kennedy, as well as the forward Carl Lawton make their debuts. Uh, but some team news for London. I mean, last week we talked about Bill Leyland's season-ending injury. Unfortunately, there was another one um, with the former Salford fullback. Josh Rourke is confirmed to have broken his leg in their preseason game against Oldham. Uh, they have announced the signing of winger Lee Kershaw on a one-year deal in the last 24 hours. But again, really, really hard to hear that they're struggling with players that will have gone into this year. Really pumped, ready to give their all and they're having to deal with more injuries. Um If I'm calling this game, I think St Helens are probably going to win it by 20 points.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, I totally agree. I think, yeah, it's it's going to be a difficult game for them. But I'm hoping, you know, they'll find their feet. They'll kind of see who it is that they're up against. And then, you know, in training and stuff like that, they can just, they can take all that on board. And we never know where they'll end up.
0: Exactly. We never know. And you know what? I'd love to be sitting here in a week's time and seeing that they have really make a good account of themselves. So let's go to Lee Sports Village then. So also on the Friday night at 8pm is Lee Leopards and Huddersfield Giants. So team news for this one then. So the Giants captain, Luke Yates, is going to miss their opener after he was suspended by the match review panel for a grade D dangerous contact charge. Uh, he's also going to miss the contests against the Saints and Warriors that follow this game. And they're also going to be without their standoff, Tuila Lohe, who picked up the same contact charge early in the preseason against the Broncos. On the Lee side, Leopards will be without forward Nathan Wilde for the game and the next three months after he suffered a dislocated collarbone. But they will have new signing Matt Moylan in the halves alongside Lachlan Lee. And center Ricky Lewittel is set to make his full league return from the squad. This is an exciting game, Leone. I've previously said and told you how I'm quite high on Lee this year, but a lot of people are starting to kind of say, "Well, Huddersfield could be a bit of a dark horse this year." Where'd your instincts go in for this one?
1: I mean, I do think it's going to be a super exciting game. It was the one I struggled with the most, trying to decide who I thought was was going to win. Um, obviously, Lee sort of defied expectations, um, a bit last year, but I mean. Is it an anomaly or have they sort of found have they have they found their feet um I'm not 100 percent sure but I think you know when you when you almost when you almost when you make it up there you're not going to want to come back down and I think Lee are gonna have that fire in their belly I think they know that their fans are expecting something great from them this year so I don't think it'll be by much but I think it'll be Lee
0: oh yeah no I think. I I do think uh, a home game at home for them, they they're going to have the edge, but I I think Huddersfield are really going to push them. I think they're going to try and and fight hard here. Um, and I've seen quite a few commentators across the rugby league media in the last week say, "Oh, you know what, Lee? They they really went the distance last year in terms of they got lots of um, like success, um, but they might fall a little bit this year." And I, I I really do disagree. I think they'll just continue to to put put the foot down really um I, I see this one probably uh around a, a two-point win for lee i think it'll be a close one to the yeah. end i think it'll be a great watch and definitely a great atmosphere down there um Derek bowman always wants a big open atmosphere for his opening game so i th- I think it will be lee will just edge this one what do you think
1: mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. And I I do think it's going to be a really exciting game. And I do think when you're not 100% sure who's going to win, they're the best games. When, you know, you're not putting two teams together and you think, oh, they're going to, you know, they're going to win by 40 points or 50 points or however many. I think when it comes to it being so close together, they're the games that you really, really want to watch. So I'm super excited for that one.
0: So let's go to the Saturday then. So... As we said at the top, this game is going to be live on BBC Two. This is cast Tigers against the Wigan Warriors. Um, so the team news then. So uh, the squad looks set to have a clean bill of health uh, for the Tigers uh, for the most part. Um, although it's looking very unlikely that new halfback Rowan Milnes is going to be starting for the Tigers. As he is still set for a spell on the sidelines following an injury against the Broncos in preseason. But the Tigers have been boosted by the signing of ex-Broncos prop Daniel Hindmarsh Tacky from the Queensland Cup team Northern Pride in the last few days. On the Wigan side, they're going to be without new signing Sam Walters after Matt Pete confirmed he suffered a broken collarbone and could be set for three months on the sideline, returning to the squad later on this year. And young forward junior in December has also been ruled out for two months as he is not ready after his off-season surgery. Now, I'd love to hear your take on this, but I think this is going to be closer than people are thinking. I think with the fact that it's a home game for Cass, that they're going to be on terrestrial television, that they're going to try and put last season in the rear view as quick as possible, that Wigan are going to probably maybe be a bit looking ahead to the world club challenge the following weekend. I think this game gets really close
1: yeah absolutely. Obviously it's super, super excited to watch this game because I think this is gonna set Cass up for the rest of the rest of the season. Um I do think Wigan are gonna go in there a bit too big for their boots. I think they are gonna be oh look at us, you know, we won the grand final last year when we' were playing Cass and they were you know we couldn't see them from all the way down there. <laughs> and um I think Cass are gonna use that to their advantage. I think they're gonna majorly estimate underestimate Cass. I think yeah, they they're at the jungle you know and the the fans and the the patriotism that goes on there and how much we love our players that's mm. going to that's going to steer them on they absolutely will not want to have a season like they did last year and i think this is their perfect opportunity to be able to show people that that will not be the case um whether i know who's going to win i like really don't want to say it <laughs> but i think it, it will probably be wigan but for me, I don't need cast to win this. I need them to score points. Because yeah. that's what's gonna get their confidence up. Whether they whether they win or not, the confidence is gonna come from is gonna come from the tries. It's gonna come from the way that they play. And you know, you've got to remember we've got people like Joe Westerman and he's a fantastic talent in rugby. And I'm super excited to see him him play again. Um But yeah, I think it's going to be an exciting game and I think it's going to be a lot more exciting than people think it's going to be.
0: Oh yeah, I think um, first half, I think it will be really close. Um, And then I think second half, I think Wigan will maybe pull away with one or two more tries uh, at the end. But yeah, I would love to see Cass really give a good account of themselves here. Um, I did get the chance to see them in person when they played Salford uh, last year and that was a close game. And look, they they've got they haven't made loads of additions this off season but they as you say i think they will be really fired up for this opener with it being in the jungle with it being on live tv i think wigan will will probably start a bit slowly and i think then they'll maybe pull away um towards the end so yeah we we're both predicting the warriors to claim that one so last one of round 1 uh is a bit of a belter down in the south of france then it's the catalan dragons versus warrington wolves So many elements to this game. Um, This is uh, Sam Burgess's first game as a head coach for Warrington. This is a Catalan side that went all the way to the grand final in 2023. This is a home game for them. This is their chance for the fans to really roar them on from the start. It's a really difficult place for most teams to go in terms of making the trip over. And for a season opener as well, Warrington, they've really not been blessed with the easiest of starts there. Um, so to the team news, so no big injury news for the Dragons heading into the big opener. And they're likely to give debuts to Theo Fakes, Jaden Nicarima and Bailey Ceronen. Uh Warrington side, um, one wire player who is not going to be suiting up is prop Luke Thomas, who is set to miss the entire season after he was carted off the field with a knee injury during their preseason contest with Lee on Saturday last week. And the prop signed a three-year contract extension in January. So he at least is covered by that. Um, at centre, Roderick Ty, second rower, Matty Nicholson are also not likely to make the trip, while star player Stefan Ratchford is rated as 50-50 for the contest. Now, when we talked through our season previously only last week, I talked a little bit about how I thought Catalan were going to have a bit of a drop-off this year. Having said that, I I think... I think that they're going to claim this one. I think this is, as I said at the start, a tricky encounter for Warrington. I think um, they'll have a few key players out and I think they'll be, um, I think they'll find it tough in this ground with the fans getting right behind the Dragons. And I think they're really going to struggle in it and maybe Cass Helm will edge this one.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, playing away from home, it is is never easy. Um, And I think... You know, for for Sam Burgess, this is going to be probably quite quite a lot of pressure on him. But I mean, at the same time, you know, is he going to change Warrington's fortunes? I think it would give them unbelievable amounts of confidence if uh, if they won this game. Um, I do think I do think Catalans are going to take it. I mean, they had they had a little smell of victory last year. They were so close, and I think you know once once you get that, you're not going to want to give it back um so i think they are going to be really fired up for this season and i think they're going to go in there and they're going to want to smash that game out of the park and they're going to want to they're going to want to remind people look this is what we're going for this year and this is how we're going to do it and i think they're going to use Warrington to show people that's exactly what they want to do
0: yeah i, th- I think in terms of matchups in terms of this round this is the the round the matchup of the rounds really cuz These two sides have got so many different motives for trying to win this game and get off to a strong start. I mean, Warrington last year, they had one of the best starts we've seen for quite some time and then they trailed off. So maybe it's not the worst thing if they don't get off to the most amazing of starts here. But we will see. So we're both picking Catalan to do that one and that's that's the games for round one so uh leone thank you so much for coming on to do some game previews with me uh we'll all be sweating i'm sure in a week's time once the game kicks off but look thank you very much again for your for your input and support on on the podcast and um we'll no doubt have you on in the future as well to talk through some more games and do some recaps with us uh but thank you for joining me
1: yeah thank you so much been great
0: so there she goes, um, and just want to say massive thank you to Leone for coming on the pod the last few weeks and really giving it her all and get with her analysis and her takes on the team. And at this point, I'll say, look, this is a podcast which is all about serving the rugby league community. If you love the game, if you want to get involved, if you want to come on and give your takes, then please do get in touch. Uh, I'd love to hear more people get involved, particularly looking for those that have an interest in the NRL side as well, because. As we get into the recaps, it will be great to have someone that can also talk about that as well as the Super League. Um, the, the ability to get in contact is if you just look in the podcast information page with me and look, I'd love to have some of you guys on. So yeah, whether you're a, a journalist, uh, picking up your trade or learning to kind of get a bit more um, talking about Rugby League or you're an absolute massive fan of the game and you can't shut up about it and your mate say you need to just go and talk to someone else about it. Come on the podcast. Come and give your input because this is not a professional pod. This is very much amateurs learning the game, talking about the game, providing a resource for the community, for those that don't have the ability to watch every game or catch up on the highlights. Um, as we go into the season, uh, we're probably going to do a minimum of a podcast a week, which is just going to be the recaps of the games. But I'd love to do more. I'd love to have more match preview sessions like the one we just did with the only there. So, yeah, get in touch and let's help build this in the wider rugby league community. So we're going to come in now and talk about the final preview from the NRL. So we've got the teams that placed fifth to first now to come up. And we're going to start with the real surprise package of last season, which were the Newcastle Knights. So they finished fifth. Their record was 14 wins, nine losses and a draw. Their star player is the fullback, Kalen Ponga the coach is adam o'brien and their key signing is kai pierce Paul, who is a second row and center from the wigan warriors their first five games at home to canberra away to north queensland at home for the storm away to new zealand and then at home for the dragons so their last title was in 2001 and they have the 10th best odds for the title so what offensive stats jump out? Well, they had the third best attack. They scored 666 points and they were third in tries scored They also were third in line breaks, third in tackle bursts and fifth in run meters and fourth in try assists All really positive stats, which just emphasizes how strong they were on the attack last year. On the defensive side, again, quite positive. They were, had the fourth best defense. They were 5th in tackles, and it's good to be quite low in these stats. They were 11th in missed tackles and 11th in ineffective tackles. Individually, Caelan Ponga was 6th in try assists and 15th in points scored. Their outgoing winger, Dom Young, was 1st in tries, 2nd in line breaks, 11th in tackle bursts, 2nd in handling errors, but 14th in run meters. And Greg Marzot was 1st in tackle bursts and 4th in tries. 6th in line breaks and 6th in post-contact meters. And Dane Gagai was 3rd for tackle bursts. On the defensive side, uh, Phoenix Crossland was 10th in all tackles made. Lachlan Fitzgibbon was 10th in penalties. And Tyson Frizzell was 11th in penalties. So they're incomings. Uh, the aforementioned Kai Piercepool joins them from Wigan. They've also acquired Will Price, who can play as a fullback, back standoff or half-back from the Huddersfield Giants. Jack Cogger is a standoff halfback from Penrith. Thomas Jenkins is a winger or a centre from Penrith. And Jed Cartwright is a second row or centre from the Rabbitohs. Their outgoings then, quite a few this year. So Dom Young has headed to the Roosters in a bit of a blow. Uh, Lachlan Fitzgibbon has gone to Warrington. Adam Clune, a halfback, has gone to the Huddersfield Giants. For Marnie Brown, the standoff halfback hooker is at Hull. Simi Sasagi, the centre has gone to the Canberra Raiders. Lucky Miller, the fullback has gone to Leeds Rhinos. Kurt Mann, the utility player, is at the Bulldogs. Oren Keeley, the second row, has gone to the Dolphins, and the fullback Bailey Hodgson has gone to Manly. So their starting thirteen then looks a little bit different, but only just little tweaks to the squad from 2023. So Kaelan Ponga remains at fullback. The wingers would be Tom Jenkins and Greg Mazo. In the centers, you'd have Dane Gagai and Bradman Best. At standoff would be Tyson Gamble. At uh, the halfback would be Jackson Hastings. Uh, the props, Jacob Satifi, Led Thompson. With the hooker would be Jaden Braley. Second rowers would be Tyson Frizzell and Dylan Lucas, with Adam Elliott at loose forward. Big questions for the Knights then. Have they lost too much depth and talent? I think this is a bit up in the air. They've lost the NRL's leading try score in Dom Young. Some quality players in Fitzgibbon, Fumano Brown, Mann and Miller. But with the English imports, Kai Pierce-Paul and Will Price, the Panthers' Jack Cogger and the Rabbitohs Jed Cartwright, they should be able to compensate for these losses. Although Dom Young was so critical to this barnstorming offence alongside the dependable Greg Muzo, it's going to have an impact likely in terms of the amount of tries that they score to lose such an elite presence with young but are they a bit being a bit slept on um like they had such an amazing run in the second half of 2023 they won 10 straight games which included wins over the storm rabidows and the sharks and they only just lost to the broncos and penrith yes they were beaten by the warriors in the finals but this was a side that left last year in the ascendancy so while state of origin is one of the biggest stages in the game Its placement in the NRL calendar always seems to impact teams who have serious stars at state level. As Ponga didn't play for Queensland in 2023, the Knights then found their best form and were able to embark on their big winning stretch. He said he's going to make himself available this year, but if he were picked, how would that impact the squad at a crucial time in the season? So, to the New Zealand Warriors. Finished fourth, uh, their record was 15 wins, eight losses and a draw. Their star player was Adin Fanua Blake, the prop. Their coach is Andrew Webster. The key signing was Kurt Capewell, second rower from the Broncos. Their first five games, home to the Storm, sorry, home to the Sharks, then away at the Storm, home to the Raiders, home to the Knights, and then away to the Rabbitohs. Uh, they've yet to win a title, and they have the seventh best odds for this year's title to their attacking stats. Uh, the key ones that jump out is they were second in runs third in run meters, uh, fifth in tries scored, fifth in goals kicked, and fifth in line breaks, as well as try assists. And they had the league's sixth best attack. uh, Defensively, the third best defense conceding only 448 points. Uh, they were fourth in tackles, but fifth in missed tackles and fifth in ineffective tackles. Individually then, uh, Sean Johnson, who had a bit of a breakout year for them, he was first in kick meters, second in attacking kicks, sixth in points scored and sixth in goals kicked. Dalian watney Zelizniak was second in tries, seventh in line breaks, uh, Adin Vanua Blake, was first in post-contact meters in the league and he was 5th in metres made, and Marcelo Montoya was 12th in metres made. Uh, defensively, not loads of stats, but uh, Watanee Zelesniak was first in interceptions across the league, um, but Sean Johnson was also 12th in ineffective tackles in his position. So they're incomings. Uh, Kurt Well, the second rower from the Broncos. Uh, Roger Tuavisa Shek is a winger centre that's come back to the squad from the Rugby Union side. And Channel Harris-Tavita is a fullback, halfback standoff who is also returned after a hiatus himself. Their outgoings, uh, Bailey Saronin has gone to Catalan. Vilamire uh, Valea is a centre that's gone to the Cowboys. Josh Curran is a second rower that's gone to the Bulldogs. Uh, Ronald Volkman, who we've covered a lot on this podcast in the last few weeks. He obviously went to the Dragons and then they're now paying for his surgery. And Braden Williams retired. So they're starting 13. Uh, Chance Nickel Klockstad will stay at fullback. The wingers would be Watney Zalesniak and Marcelo Montoya. In the centres, Rocco Berry and then the new signer Roger Tuavisa Shek. Uh, Luke Metcalf remains at standoff with Sean Johnson at halfback. Props would be for Noah Blake and Mitch Barnett. At hooker, you'd have Wayne Egan. And the second row forwards would be Jackson Ford and Kurt Capewell with Tohu Harris at loose forward. So questions facing the Warriors, they go again. Warriors were arguably one of the surprise packages of the 2023 season. And with the whole of New Zealand behind the WARS, their hope is they will be playing in a grand final come October. They've not lost a lot of quality and their additions have been smart and effective but it will all come down to see if they can regain the momentum that they found last year. It will likely be the last time that the club's two stars Sean Johnson and Adam Fenua Blake play for them with the latter confirmed to join the Sharks in 2025. AFB was one of the best front rows in the league last year and Johnson had a marvelous 2023 and is playing in the form of his life. So can they have one last hurrah? To Avisa Shek, look, the returning winger comes back to league after two years in Union, and the real question will be if whether he can rediscover the spark that made him such a talent for the Waz previously. In the centres, he'll have time to push on, but fans will be itching to know what kind of player they've got and if he'll be good as he once was. To the final three then, starting at third with Melbourne Storm. So they won 16 games and lost eight Their star player is Cameron Munster. Uh, Their coach is Craig Bellamy. And their key signing is Sean Bloor, a second rower from the West Tigers. Their first five games, uh, they're at home to the Panthers, at home to the Warriors, away to the Knights, at home to the Broncos, and then at home to the Bulldogs. And their last title was in 2020. And they have the fifth best odds for the title this year. Offensively, this is where we're now getting into the real beast of the division. So fourth best attack. 4th in try scored. 3rd in goals kicked. 4th in set completion. Uh, 4th in tackle bursts. 4th in run meters. 6th in try assists. But 4th in handling errors. Defensively, 5th best defense. They were 2nd in tackles, but 2nd in missed tackles and 2nd in ineffective tackles. Individually. Uh, on the offensive side, Nick Meany was second in points scored, second in goals kicked, but sixth in handling errors. Will Warbrick was 14th in tries, 14th in handling errors. It's coming up a lot here, isn't it? And Jerome Hughes was sixth in try assists, while Harry Grant was first in dummy half runs, but that's a very signature part of his game. And that comes up on the defensive side, where he was first in tackles made, third in missed tackles and sixth in ineffective tackles. Um, Josh King was fifth in tackles, and Cameron Munster was eighth in missed tackles. So Sean Blois is their only incoming from the Tigers, but their outgoings have seen Justin Olam go to the Tigers in exchange. Uh, Tariq Sims, the second row, has gone to Catalan, as well as Jaden Nicarima, standoff, has gone to Catalan. Tom Eisenhuth is the second row, a second rower, centre that's been gone to the Dragons, and the winger, George Jennings, has been released. They're starting 13 then, so Ryan Pappenhausen likely to come in for round one at fullback. The wingers would be Will Warbrick and Xavier Coates. At the centres would be Remia Smith and Nick Meaney. At standoff would be Cameron Munster, the halfback, Jerome Hughes in the props, Christian Welch and Tui Kamakamika with Harry Grant at hooker. And the forwards would be Elise Katoa, Trent Lolero and Josh King at lock. So It's the last year for Craig Bellamy. It's a somber season for the Storms fans, as coach uh, Bellamy is going to coach his last year with the club after 22 years at the helm. Before he passes over to Jason Riles in 2025, uh, the club have won three premierships in his tenure and have become a perennial force in the competition, always competing in the finals. They've made the playoffs every year since 2011. Look, the Panthers may well have their 3 peak. The Storm have been a team of consistent excellence for the last two decades. Saying all that, they have a very difficult start to keep their 21 year record of winning their season opener when they play the reigning champions in Melbourne in round one. But this is an elite squad that should, injuries aside, make the final four once again. And with Pappenhausen returning from an ankle injury in time for the start of the year, this is one of the strongest spines in the comp. So to the Brisbane Broncos. So they won 18 games and lost six. Their star player is arguably their fullback, Reece Walsh. Coach is Kevin Walters. Their key sign-in is probably Fletcher Baker, prop from the Roosters. This is their first five games. So they play the Roosters in Vegas, then entertain the Rabidos at home, away to the Panthers, home for the Cowboys, and then away to the Storm. Their last title was in 2006, and they have the second best odds for the title. So now that we're in the nitty-gritty end of the season, Broncos and the Panthers are arguably first and second for most of these stats. But let's go through it. The Broncos are second. They're the second-best attack. They were first in try scored, first in line breaks, second in try assists, second in tackle bursts and run meters, fourth in handling errors. Defensively, they had the second-best defense. Um, they were eighth in tackles. First in ineffective tackles and seventh in missed tackles. Individually, Adam Reynolds was first in goals kicked, fourth in points scored, fifth in kick meters. Selwyn Cobbo, 10th in tries. Azra Mam, 13th in tries. Reese Walsh was third in try assist, 13th in line breaks. Uh, Payne Haas was first in post contact meters and fourth in offloads. Herbie Farnworth was fourth in post-contact meters and fourth in tackle breaks. And defensively, Ezra Mann was second in missed tackles and seventh in ineffective tackles. Uh, they had quite a few players in these stats. So Kirk Capewell was 11th in missed tackles. Ketony Staggs was 15th in missed tackles and 13th in handling errors. Uh, Adam Reynolds was third in interceptions as Selwyn Cobb was seventh in interceptions, but he was fifth in handling errors and third in errors in general. Uh, Patrick Carrigan was fourth in ineffective tackles, and this is pretty damning for East Walsh. He was first in handling errors in the league and first in errors made in the league. Their incomings then, so uh, they, as I said, they picked up the prop Fletcher Baker from the Roosters, and Jaden Hunt is lock that's come from the Dragons. Their outgoings then are pretty, uh, pretty significant. Herbie Farnworth, centre. Gone across town to the Dolphins, as has Tommy Flegler, the prop. Um, Kurt Capewell, as we said, has gone to the Warriors. Uh, Keenan has gone is a prop that's gone to the Titans, and they've released another prop, Logan Bayless. They're starting 13. Reese Walsh at fullback, Dane Mariner, and Jesse Arthurs at wingers. Uh, Selwyn Cobbo and Katoni Staggs in the centers. Standoff would be as Raman with Adam Reynolds at halfback. Props would be Payne Haas and Corey Jensen with Billy Walters at hooker. And the second row forwards would be Brendan Piakura and Jordan Ricky with Patrick Carrigan at lock. Some main questions for the Broncos. Look, they were 20 minutes from a title. How do you pick up a squad that was 20 minutes away from a title? Well, you roll out a mildly changed squad for the most part. At least that's Kevin Walters' idea for 2024. But how big will the departure of Farnworth, Flegler and Capewell be? Sure, the Panthers have lost some stars, but Farnworth's playing at an elite level in the centres. And there are questions to be desired around their backs defending. It's still a formidable looking lineup that would be the envy of the league. But let's see how long that they regret that 2023 epic final. And looking through the stats, it's abundantly clear that the Broncos' weakness is their defending. Walsh's handling errors and missed tackles are a problem at fullback, which is a big part of his game that he needs to iron out because he's one of the most electric playmakers and he just needs to wise up in that area. The fact that there's defensive weaknesses across Walsh, Staggs, Cobo and Mam mean that for me, it's their number one problem they need to solve or they might get carved up again as Cleary did to them in those last 20 minutes of that game we're going to see Cobo in the centers. Uh, and this is a real chance for him to step up and prove, now that Farnworth has headed to the Dolphins, that he really is one of the better players in those backs. Broncos legend Gordon Talis has really backed him to be a big-name star for them this year. But there's still some debate around the league if he's best suited as a deadly winger. To the Penrith Panthers to finish then. So... They were first, uh, winning 19 games and losing six. Their star player is Nathan Cleary. Their coach is Ivan Cleary. And their key signing is Dane Laurie, a fullback standoff from the Tigers. Their first five games, they are away to the Storm, at home for the Eels, at home to the Broncos, away to the Roosters and away to the Seagulls. And their last title was last year, and they are the best odds to regain that title. So their stats then. Offensively, they were the best. They scored 741 points. Uh, They were first in goals kicked, set completion, post-contact meters, tackle bursts, run meters, and try assists. That's very impressive. They were second in try scored, line breaks, and fourth in offloads. Defensively, then, they had the best defense as well. Conceded only 312 points over the year. They were third in tackles, fourth in missed tackles, seventh in ineffective tackles. So, individually, Nathan Cleary was first in attacking kicks, third in points, third in goals, third in kick meters, eighth in try assists, 13th in offloads. Brian Too was second in run meters, third in post-contact meters, sixth in tries, eighth in line breaks. And Dylan Edwards was first in run meters and second in tackle bursts. On the defensive side, Isaiah Yeo Yeo, was ninth in tackles, eleventh in effective tackles. Well, Mitch Kenny was fifth in missed tackles, Nathan Clay was eighth in interceptions and Stephen Crichton was fourth in interceptions. Their incomings, Dane Laurie uh, from the West Tigers, Paul Alamoti, a centre from the Bulldogs and Brad Schneider, a halfback from Hull KR. Their outgoings, Stephen Crichton, the centre to the Bulldogs, Spencer Lanoue, the prop to the Roosters, Zach Hoskin. The second row is a Canberra. Jamin Salmon, a standoff to the Bulldogs. Jack Cogger, to the Knights. Tom Jenkins, a winger also to the Knights, And Eddie Blacker, a prop that's gone to the North's Devils. They're starting 13 now. And not a lot of change. Uh, Dylan Edwards remains at fullback. Uh, Sunuya Tarova and Brian To'o remain at wingers. Uh, Isaac Tago and Taylan May in the centres. Jerome Lui. Uh, standoff alongside Nathan Clary at halfback. Moses Leota and James Fisher-Harris are the props with Mitch Kenny as the hooker and Scott Sorensen and Liam Martin as the second row with Isaiah Yale as the loose forward. So main questions for the Penrith Panthers. Can they make history? The aim for this side is to become the first side since the St. George Illawarra Dragons in the 1960s to win four premierships in a row. It would be some feat. And if you look at the squad, this coach, it all just sounds so possible. Year after year, the Panthers see stars leave them and they replace them and just keep going. Sure, Cleary was the mastermind who won them their third consecutive title in that game. And that's going to live long in the memory. But all across this squad, they have game winners in their own right. Of course, the Panthers head into 2024 for one last run with Loai and Cleary in the halves. The two have been their dynamic one-two punch for so long that it will seem strange to see them part ways at the end of this year. But the question is, what Luai will we get now, now that he's been paid by the Tigers? He wasn't the same player at the end of last year, though he was going through an injury spell. But will he think that now is his last chance for a title? Will that spur him on? And the last point here is they have a hard start. A lot of last year's finest teams are facing a difficult start, and Penrith have been given the toughest. They face off against the Storm, before they bring the Eels and then the Broncos to Blue Bear, and then they go in a way to face against the Roosters. Every team is going to be wanting to give their all against the Panthers, so let's see how they fare once play kicks off. And there you have it. That is your big 2024 NRL season preview. You can go back to the last two episodes to hear our previews for all 17 teams. You can also go back to the first three episodes before that to hear our previews for all 12 super league teams thank you so much for listening um it's been great to start this podcast and have a great new dedicated audience for this can't wait till the season gets going and we will see you all next time